0: October is synonymous with change and returning to pastures old. As part of this month, every year the seasons change, the leaves change colour and students also head back to school and university. But it seems that this October of 2020 has more alterations and rekindling of old relationships than we originally thought. Let's get started. to Max Verstappen, and under breaking, Leclerc has gone into the barriers at the penultimate turn, Perez ahead of Stroll, ahead of Ricardo behind, oh it's a tight finish, it's a photo finish, adding another championship to his collection, it's Lewis Hamilton, champion of the world.
1: That was beautiful, actually.
2: That was. It was very poetic. Yeah.
0: I literally made that up five minutes before I came on. You're not supposed to say that. You're supposed to be like, oh, I was working on
1: that for ages. As a famous orator I am. (laughs) I am not merely an F1 podcaster. I
0: am a thespian. Well, I thought that was obvious. (laughs) Right. Shall we? Uh, Righto. Are we going into Honda first, yes? That's me. I mean, I'm not Honda myself, but you know. So, as you're all aware, probably Tristan, Liv, and Angus, uh, Honda F1 have announced they will be leaving the sport at the end of 2021. A move that will leave Red Bull Racing and AlphaTauri without an engine provider for 2022. Uh, Christian Horner, the team principal of Red Bull, has said he understands and respects the reasoning behind this decision, uh, but the decision does naturally present obvious challenges to the team. Uh, but he says, Red Bull, we've faced them before and we will overcome them. So what do we all think this means for the Red Bull family, shall we say? Of course, AlphaTauri now are the sister team to Red Bull Racing. What do you think this will mean for them moving forward in two years' time when they will be, as I say, without an engine provider at this point.
1: I think it would be fun to see Renault and, and Red Bull perhaps being forced back together. But if you want to believe the rumours um, that have been floating around the paddock, Verstappen has an, might have an exit clause in his contract to do with Hon, Honda leaving. So it could be interesting. See, what do you think? Maybe that Verstappen could also exit from Red Bull kind of early if Honda leave? Do you think he's going to do that?
2: I literally was just about to say that I was about. I'd, I'd thought about this previously. And I'd literally written down in front of me Max to Mercedes twenty twenty two because yeah, I really think that that could be something. That we know, we already knew that Max had these clauses in his contract. One that they, if they weren't finishing in the top three of the constructors, he'd be out. And and maybe yeah, as you say, one about Honda. So I think that's a very interesting point, and I think. By the end of 2021, 20 and start 2022, that that might be the time for Bottas to be heading elsewhere as well. So that could be the perfect opportunity for Max Verstappen. It's going to be very interesting this time next year to see to see what happens.
1: Because Christian Horner has actually said, no, that's just not true. He hasn't got this clause. But am I am I right in thinking that it was the move to Honda that got rid of Daniel Ricciardo? So it's just yet again the engine problems that are. Are leave it leading to drivers perhaps leaving Red Bull early, and this would be disastrous, right? That they, they would have no exceptional driver in the Red Bull, other than I don't know. You could bring back Daniel Kvyat, or, or perhaps you could bring back, um, yeah, perhaps you could bring in Gasly.
2: I think it's going to be horrible if 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 it sort of makes life difficult for Red Bull which it probably will do in the sense that Red Bull are really the only competitors for Mercedes right now and they're barely a competitor so imagine if they then kind of end up a bit crappy like we're just, it's just gonna be so dull. like we need Ferrari to sort it out I mean I know that in the future they will hopefully be able to and like with other teams but my god like can you imagine if there's absolutely no one threatening them like we this is gonna be a, an issue for the whole sport I think
3: I think it's a bad thing for Formula 1 of course one less engine supplier is not a great advert for the the new I say new hybrid engines that they were brought in seven six years ago now, but they are still relatively new in terms of their lifespan at the sport. It's not good for that. I get it's not a great endorsement, um, but at the same time, I don't think it will signal necessarily the, the death of Formula One in terms of like the competitiveness. We have got to remember that for 2022, of course, there are the new regulations, and I'm hoping. We get a situation such as I remember in 2009 where we had the new regulations come in and that completely spiced up the pecking order. And I remember at the time the top three teams that started the year were Bourne, GP, Williams, and Toyota, who'd finished the previous year in about fifth, seventh, and eighth in the Constructors' Championship. And we had teams like Ferrari and McLaren dropping down. So imagine a situation where, I don't know, Alfa Romeo, Haas, and Racing Boyd were the top three teams next year. We could feasibly have that with the new regulations. It it won't necessarily mean that competitiveness would die off. It possibly would, maybe. to be be fair, it would also, I think you you definitely see Red Bull going back to Renault. As much as we joke about the poor relationship between those two entities, at the end of the day, who else is going to supply engines to Red Bull? Mercedes aren't going to, they're a direct rival. Ferrari aren't going to, they have been, not so much this year, but they have been a direct rival. So Red Bull are gonna have to gonna have to swallow their pride, and also Renault to an extent are gonna to have to swallow their pride and supply engines to Red Bull. So I'd say it's yeah, it's it's not good for the sport. I wouldn't say it's it's massive, desperate news for the sport because there are solutions to the problems which have come out of it, such as Red Bull not having an engine supplier. But at the same time, it's not great news in the fact that a big, big car company that Honda is. Is not endorsing the sort of the future direction, or does not seem to be endorsing the future direction that the sport is taking. What do you think about the reason
1: they've they given for leaving, which is if they don't see Formula One fitting with their their drive to be carbon neutral, because uh, Formula One have also committed to being carbon neutral by what like twenty thirty I think they said. Yeah. So I don't I don't quite un, I don't quite get why they've just pulled out, especially as you said they just you know they they have managed to go from zero to hero in four years five years so it's, it's really odd that they're just pulling out now when they have a chance to actually do really well i think it's because they're not getting as many clients as they were hoping to because of mclaren's move
0: to mercedes i think as well it's the fact that formula one itself costs so much money for an engine provider to be a part of and we're seeing at the moment we've got mercedes and ferrari which have such a reach as we say, across the grid. They could even make sort of B and C teams with the pool they have in terms of their engine. And as you touched upon there, Tristan, uh, Mercedes' uh, sphere of influence is only growing stronger, as we're seeing with um, the, the engines now going to McLaren. And we're, we're confident that this will happen as well with Ferrari. And that's the danger, really. As soon as you have those two well-established engine providers in the sport, it's then more difficult for anybody else to really um, stake their claim and to carve their own sphere of influence into that sort of engine battle, shall we say. I mean, Renault are a comfortable third, but even then, they're providing competition to Honda insofar that they as well are providing not only a works team, but have provided other teams in the past. And looking at how Honda came into the sport in such a, a weak position, they may have thought to themselves, "Well, we can perhaps get second place with a Red Bull uh, car, but moving forward, we're not going to be able to properly cement ourselves and and get the revenue and perhaps income they were hoping from this." That would be my view.
1: Absolutely, and and heading into the the new regulations in next year, there's a there's been some really ominous news from Mercedes. Um, their their engine chief Andy Cowell. Has said that they've got ideas to reduce friction in pretty much every area of the power unit and have also found ways to reduce electrical systems loss as well. So they're getting closer and closer to the magic thousand horsepower mark. You know, it's not we're not quite there yet, but Mercedes look to be about to produce yet another leap forward. So perhaps. Honda have actually timed this right. Maybe they've they've looked ahead and said, "Well, we can't really develop that much more." And companies like Miss, uh, McLaren are moving over to Mercedes. So hey, quit while you're ahead.
2: Well, they're hardly ahead, are they? I don't know. I feel like they've said. I mean, I saw they said like, "Oh, we're still determined to help Red Bull fight for the championship in 2021." But yeah, as you say, like even if they do they still seem to be then running away after that and what ha- what i'm interested to know is what happens if red Bull do fantastically in 2021 and then they go do they change their mind Do they stay like it's going to bring them big money being involved so i think it's quite an interesting one that i think will only play out um and we, d- we can't really predict but you mentioned what do i think that like what do we think of the reason i mean you can com- completely understand and Everywhere you go nowadays, and people you talk to, I've spoken to people, and they go, "Oh, it's all heading towards you know electric mobility and sustainability and you know a zero um, a net zero future, etc." And obviously, that that is the, where it's going to be going. But whether it's this minute, this second, it does seem quite a sudden leap over there. When, as you say, there are plans to make Formula One as good as possible in that area, it will never be, you know, as clean as as Formula E or Um, you know there's Extreme E, the the new one that Lewis Hamilton's getting involved in with the team but at the end but as you say they're still going to be doing their best to be sustainable so it does seem weird to sort of jump ship at this point but maybe Honda are seeing something that we're not Um, we shall see but I, I think they don't really have a choice but to go to Renault to be honest even if like at the moment especially Ferrari aren't a good enough engine supplier Mercedes are already supplying way too many people and as you say they wouldn't want to give the, the engine to Rebel anyway, so yeah, it looks like it's going to be Renault and they're they going to, Cyril and the team aren't going to be like no, but it's definitely clear that they've they're not loving the idea, I think Cyril um a bit bull said something like oh I hope it will not be the case <laughs> which is just quite funny, but we'll have to see how, how that plays out
0: that's,
1: that's kind of kind words for him, do you want to talk through actually what happens in Formula 1 when no engine supplier will give team an engine, because they they have thought of that, haven't they?
3: I saw that so I can't remember, I think there is a rule saying that um, whichever team has the few supplies the fewest amount of teams if there's another team who is looking for an engine, the team who supplies the fewest amount of teams has to, is obliged to supply the team that's lacking an engine so right now, this is going to be very quick maths off the top of my head, so Ferrari supplies three itself, Alfa Romeo, has. Mercedes supplies three as well, itself, Racing Point Williams. Um, And then it
2: will be McLaren as well.
3: And then McLaren as well, yeah. And then so Renault, of course, only supplies, well, what's going to be Alpine. Um, So with only one uh, team to supply engines to, it's obliged by the rules to supply engines to what would be the two teams who would have no engine, which would be Red Bull and AlphaTauri. So, I mean, it looks like despite Renault's possible protestations, they would just have to bite the bullet and supply the engines anyway. Could anyone use that as
1: an opportunity? Just off the top of my head, so Renault's gonna supply themselves and therefore we go back to Red Bull and Alvatari, correct?
0: Mm-hmm. So that
1: means they'll have three. If another team if another team wanted to come in to the sport, you know, having that would be a prime opportunity, right? Because How the hell do they solve that if no one wanted to, let's say BMW come into the sport and like, oh, we have this amazing car. What happens then? Because you've got three, three and three.
2: Well, you don't because you have four, four, sorry, four, three and three because Mercedes will have a total of four. So maybe Ah, they'll be stuck between Ferrari, Ferrari and Renault.
1: Okay, fine. Maybe there's not a prime opportunity (laughs) then. Like, oh, no, which one do I want? Oh, choices, choices. Oh, please, Mercedes.
0: Yeah. It's interesting, though, looking at the relationship or the prior relationship between Red Bull and Renault, looking at the Drive to Survive Series 1. And I know a lot of it is sort of dramatised and it's made for entertainment. It isn't always factually accurate uh, to the T. But looking at how bitter it got between uh, Christian Horner and Cyril, it was really bad. Like They, they were taunting going on between the, uh, the the two team principals before press conferences. They were slating each other behind their backs, each saying that the, the, the other wasn't fit to operate for them. And it was really getting quite bitter and nasty. And it's going to be interesting to see whether these two, and to an extension, the teams, will be able to sort of put their ego to one side and work together for basically the good of the sport. Because if Renault um doesn't and and Red Bull by extension don't work in sort of relative harmony and really uh sort of throw up a fuss about what's gonna be what's gonna have to take place, as we talked about, the sort of legal obligation, then surely that just shows to the rest of the the world and indeed to the Formula One fans that watch at the moment, that the sport isn't really fit for purpose. It's basically just a a huge proxy war by extension between um Mercedes, and Ferrari.
1: I don't suppose you've seen that. There's that clip where uh, Cyril goes up to Christian Horner and he's like, who needs an engine and a driver? And and Christian just turns around and just goes, yeah.
0: I have seen that, yeah. In fact, oh, I'll, tell you yeah. What, I'll
1: tell you what I'll do. I'll, I'll get the clip and uh, I'll play it for you now. Cyril. He needs a driver and, a, and
2: an engine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> A good
1: Love I know oh,
0: they
2: hate mm. each other.
0: Hate it. Exactly, and have to be working together again. But
1: well, it's basically like putting, you know, two two magnets, you know, north pole to north pole against each other again. They're just they just don't work, which yeah. is which is sad, really, because really the sad thing about all of this is the infighting is going to make Red Bull not as good. And currently, we need someone to challenge Mercedes, and so the real loser here is us, the fans.
0: Yeah. Indeed, I agree. We're, we're, we're praying for Ferrari basically to be the Ferrari of old, but uh, yeah. yeah.
2: And McLaren. <laughs> yeah. We want, we want a competitive McLaren as
1: well. But we're going into the 2021 season, and let's face it, I'm going into 2021 season going right. So Hamilton's going to win, Mercedes is going to win. Yeah. So I suppose it's challenge for second. Uh, who Don't goes forget. into? yeah
2: don't forget that hamilton hasn't actually signed for next year yet
1: isn't that because he won't oh, because yeah. of the money he
2: won't yeah he doesn't he doesn't feel comfortable signing when everyone else is losing their jobs which is fair enough but it's just making me nervous like i know he'll stay but at the same time will he like he's full of surprises
3: he's gonna stay where's yeah. he gonna go he's Where all gonna like, he go yeah
1: oh watch out Albert Want what a challenge <laughs> now <laughs>
2: no, to um because he's got his extreme e team now so maybe he'll focus on that
0: no, he'll I mean. want to beat Schumacher's record, surely. Yeah, no, yeah,
2: no. He, he
0: will. He will not rest until that is done,
1: surely, surely. I think it'd be really nice if he hit. He is he matched it now, or is he about to match Schumacher's record? He's about to match it, I think. Right, it'd be really nice if he matched He's it, about, and was like, he didn't last week, yeah. And he was like, oh yeah, no, that's it. I matched it. I've won Formula One. I'll leave now. Yeah,
3: he won't. Nah, he he has he has the chance to leave Formula One with eight world He'll championships and over a hundred wins. Like, Gosh. like it's that, like yeah. it's crazy. The thing is, it's, it's for the future. Yeah. He's
2: gonna, like, he's gonna prepare in the sense that, so he's gonna do so, so well that it's gonna be years and years before anyone else can ever beat it again, sort of thing. Like, do you know what I mean? You want to be that one above. I think that he will. I'm...
1: I don't think anyone will ever beat it. because he, he, he's been so lucky by he's picked. Every single time the team that has gone on for like a complete period of dominance,
2: yeah.
1: you, you you won't get that really again. Not not on the same level, I don't think.
3: I would. That was just, like
2: Nicky Lauder's genius, though.
3: So. Yes. Yeah. I was I was going to say one thing. I know this is a completely different topic to where we started, but Tristan's saying that he's lucky. I would actually argue that. Him picking to drive for Mercedes back in 2012, I would say that's one of the greatest master strokes in Formula One history. Yeah, at the time it was still.
1: looked at as a bit of a gamble.
3: Yes, Agreed. admittedly, but I don't know. I I remember at the time reading some reports about how the Mercedes engines for the hybrid era might be like pretty damn good, and that Mercedes would like be on it. Um, so mm. I could, uh, to be fair, like I, I could sort of, I could sort of see him it working out and him getting some victories in those first few years. Of the hybrid era, let alone let alone, did we know what would transpire? <laughs> yeah, but don't yeah. don't don't you know? Don't think that just because we have
1: the pleasure of looking back with hindsight, which is a bit of a superpower. As I, said, I think we mentioned yeah. this last year as well, but at the time, Mercedes were pretty uncompetitive, and McLaren were doing well, and Hamilton definitely took the gamble. And as you rightly point out, there was probably a lot of showing Hamilton the future, and all that sort of stuff, but there was no doubt it was a risk to his career, and he was lucky that it paid off. And you know, it was a combination of luck, just like you know, you say you make your own luck, it was one of those occasions. But Hamilton has managed to, for whatever reason, go from strength to strength, which is and also because of the rule change, no other team could really catch up, and that's been the masterstroke. You know, as much as it's been Hamilton's brilliance. Been Mercedes, who have really sort of hit the nail on the head with the hybrid era cars, and have won themselves so many what you know uh, so many constructors championships. I mean, how many are they on now?
3: Yeah,
1: six.
2: They're, six isn't it? Yeah, yeah, about to get that. So. Yeah.
1: yeah. So they're not doing badly.
3: They're on six. I, now, I think yeah, you're yeah.
0: absolutely right. In insofar that with Mercedes, Nine. anyone would expect a team like Mercedes or a new team, shall we say, to go on to have a successful period for let's say two three at a tops four but they'll be pushed for that for them to go and win that amount but the the amount that mercedes have been winning in terms of races and constructors championships relatively easily since all the way back in what 2013 2014 I don't think anyone could seriously say they predicted that that would actually have happened. Like We've seen dominance from constructors in the past, namely with Ferrari, but in this modern era, with all the money being thrown at the sports, this is, this is breaking some serious records here that no one could foresee. What's going, to go, what's going to happen first? Hamilton's going to be pushed out,
1: or he's going to quit?
2: He'll quit.
1: I think he'd be pushed.
2: I, Hamilton's not the sort of person that would wait to get pushed out. No, I don't think he will. I think he'll do what he needs to do and then we're like he'll, I'll see you later. He...
3: He'll he'll quit. He could he could easily. He's yeah. 35 now. He could easily stay there for another 3 or 4 years and still be at the top of his game. You think Alon- you think Alonso coming back at the moment at 39 he will I mean he won't be at his absolute best but he'll still be pretty near his peak. If you think as well, Schumacher in his last couple of years was 37, I believe, when he retired. The first time, that is. And he was still challenging Alonso for the championship. So I think Hamilton could still be around for another couple of years if he wanted and still be at his best. So, I, yeah, I think he'll quit before he's pushed, for sure. Although
0: the, the fact that Schumacher came back after that sustained period of success does show you that often a driver's ego is better or bigger than their ability so i'm of the opinion perhaps hamilton could continue on for three or four years having a great deal of success winning two three or maybe even four championships and going hang on a second i'm lewis hamilton i've won let's say 12 13 drivers championships i don't need to quit i'm bigger than the team you can't get rid of me and everyone going well actually lewis you have done very well but those days were behind you i could see that happening myself no. the the biggest concern for me
1: is what happens to and a boss ass while this is going along because if as long as uh, hamilton is there they uh, mercedes must have a one two driver system because as you say his ego is so big that he won't allow a you know a one one driver thing like Rosberg versus hamilton that we had so doesn't this also put Mercedes in a really tricky position where they can't hire another top, top talented driver because just like we saw with Vettel and Leclerc, if you hire a really good young driver who starts beating your your usual top driver, you put yourself in a really awkward position. So Mercedes might be sort of trapping themselves a little bit if they can't nurture a uh, another up-and-coming talent within the team because you can't have Hamilton and George Russell for example in a car because Hamilton's going to go well on them and I've won all of these world championships I should be a number one driver and Russell will be going well on them and I'm half his age you should be looking at me for the future I should be the number one driver and look how good I am so where does that leave Mercedes? Don't forget Ocon as well and Ocon of course I yes that, so so what we're gonna have we're gonna have yeah. Ocon a number two I driver think that
2: any driver yeah I think that George George and Ocon I think both of them being growing up and then driving in this era of Hamilton understand who he is and just like you know just how much he matters like I know that's not a stupid bit I think both of them would respect him as number one until the time came when he then left and then they would be automatically there I don't see either of those two kicking up huge for us because i don't think they're both people who admire him a lot like genuinely i uh, but again it depends who it is if max then comes in because the honda's engine's gone and they want uh, that could be chaos <laughs> um because max doesn't see himself as a you know as uh, as hamilton being this person to that he looks up to he's so he's someone to be so i think that'll be quite a different different vibe so i think it depends who it is but i i think uh, going back to the beginning i know just, but i know i've said it a lot but he'll quit while he's ahead i don't i know i don't see him being that person too
3: the weight to be pushed up. Or, process. plot twist, Mercedes decide they're done with Formula 1 and have achieved everything Ooh. and just pull out. It's, I mean, it's, it's possible. Yeah, you're it's right. It. If There's... I was
2: George Russell, I would be mad.
3: And Ocon. Don't forget Ocon. <laughs> yeah.
0: I know. Although oh, talent God, does prevail, imagine. one thanks, surely. Mm. Well, Money yeah. is a key factor, but still. God. Yeah, but we'll you've, see, also, we'll see.
3: You've, you've also got to get the, the cards. To be fair, it's a, it's a fact of life. You've got to get the cards to fall in your, in your favour at the end of the day. It's just... <laughs> you never know you never know where it's going to take you so that is also a big factor
1: i think the entirety of mercedes future will be linked to their performance in the upcoming rule change starting in 2022 because at the end of that era of the 2022 rules that will be when things like the concord agreement is up and stuff like that so you know this is this is massively future speculation here this is mm-hmm. this cannot be backed up with any fact at all but yeah
0: <laughs> But Lewis Hamilton is not the only driver on the F1 grid currently without a contract. We're seeing throughout the grid of Formula 1 at the moment, there's many people who have contracts which expire at the end of this year and by the very definition of silly season, there is the rumour mill starting about who will replace who. I believe Angus you've got a little snippet to talk about regarding the second Red Bull seat
3: yeah so there so we have sort of presumed as we we have for many years really that the second or not just the second red bull seat any red bull seat would be taken up by a red bull junior driver in fact it's only been once in the team's history has one of the or sorry twice in the team's history has a seat at the red bull team been taken up by a driver who has not come from the academy that of course was david Coulthard and mark webber who back in the very early days of the team back in the mid two thousands. Uh, when there wasn't really too, the driver academy didn't have too much going for it, but since it brought through the successes of well, clearly Sebastian Vessel, four-time world champion, Daniel Ricciardo, multiple race winner, Max Verstappen, multiple race winner, uh, Red Bull have been prepared to put a lot more faith into their driver academy. But as we've discussed previously on this podcast, it does bring a lot of pressures with it, as we see currently in the second Red Bull seat. Got this. I wouldn't call it a Titanic battle between Pierre Gasly and Alex Albon for the second Red Bull seat, but it does feel like that at times. The commentators on TV certainly like to hype it up, especially when Gasly overtook Albon uh, on track in Russia last weekend. But the fact of the matter is, there is, does seem to be a bit of pressure around that second seat, and the pressure that I've, that sort of you hear about when it comes to the Red Bull Driver Academy. With, of course, there having been such high expectations set by. Uh, drivers such as Vettel and Verstappen and Ricardo. Every driver that comes through the Red Bull academy is now scrutinised more than ever. So it would maybe surprise people to, to, to sort of hear that possibly Red Bull might be considering a different option for their second seat in 2021. So you've got this sort of thing that Albon and Gasly have sort of, whenever they've been in that second seat, they both seem to have struggled. Of course, Albon got that podium in Mugello. But then he really sort of took a downturn at Sochi the next weekend, uh, struggling in qualifying, limping to 10th, and then limping to 10th again in the race. So there are possibly some rumours, possibly more concrete than ever, that Red Bull may be considering diverting from their usual strategy of dipping into their driver academy and there are rumours that Sergio Perez might be in line for a Red Bull seat. Now Perez of course as we've also discussed before was unceremoniously dumped um, in my opinion I've said before absolutely criminally dumped by Racing Point uh, so they could hire Sebastian Vettel uh, for 2021 in their guise as Aston Martin It does mean that Perez is now free and has has the possibility to look around at other seats on the grid. He said himself, he's come out in the media and said he would love to stay in Formula One for 2021, but only if he saw a concrete project. So that says to me... That despite him being a very good, a very attractive asset of any team on the grid due to not only his large uh, funding that he can bring from Mexico, but also vast experience. He's now a 10-year veteran in the sport. He brings with it lots of talent. He's extremely quick, very consistent. So he'd be quite a catch for a team such as Haas or Alfa Romeo, low down the grid. But the way he's worded it, saying that he wants there to be like a project about his next move, suggests that maybe... Unless he was hoping for a a big piece of luck in the 2022 regulations and for one of those teams to produce a grid-beating car, then it would not look like one of those teams would be a possibility. However, there is a possible rumour that Red Bull may go for Perez. Um, Perez, The fact that Perez has said he wants a project, that possibly suggests that the second Red Bull seat may be a good one, because in that seat he could realistically contend for wins and podiums um, as long as he could... Be up to Max Verstappen's pace, but if you think about it, if Red Bull seriously wanted to go for the constructors' championship, I mean, obviously their car has to be as good as Mercedes at first, and you have to hope that Max Verstappen continues his great performances that he's done over the last 18 months, two years or so. But you also have to take into account you need that second driver. The reason why Mercedes have been so consistent in maintaining their their lead in the constructors over the last few years is because Valtteri Bottas, whilst he may not be the fantastic, amazing talent that Lewis Hamilton is. He is consistently there to pick up the pieces when Hamilton flounders or on the red day that he does flounder. And Bottas is also there to pick up those podiums, those high points finishes, hoovering up the points for Mercedes and making sure they maintain their constructors lead. So if Red Bull want to be in that position, they realistically need a second driver who can do that. And whilst it's, it's completely fair to place faith in Albon or Gasly and hope that they develop in possibly the same way that Verstappen did, if they want that Constructors' Championship, based on the evidence as well of the last couple of years, that second seat at Red Bull just does not produce enough points for Red Bull to be contending for those championships. So whilst Verstappen is obviously very quick and any teammate coming up against him would have a task, it's arguable that Perez, with all his experience and the speed that he has, that he could be a perfect foil for Verstappen in that he would be, be more adept at picking up Wins or podiums, or being in those positions to take advantage of any mishaps by Mercedes. So, I'd say for the first time in a long time, we could have possible substantive rumours that that we might have a driver from outside the Red Bull driver programme coming into the second Red Bull seat. And whilst I have to admit, it would still be very, so it would definitely be a diversion from Red Bull's usual strategy based on the reasons that I've just given and the reasons that I've seen online and the explanations I've seen from pundits and experts, it could feasibly happen. Again, I stress, it it won't necessarily be a certainty. But there is a chance. There's more more of a chance, I feel, than there has been in the recent past. And I'd be interested to hear your guys' thoughts on it. Is Perez to Red Bull actually a possibility? Or is this just another rumour that's part of the rumour mill that's just been taken way out of hand and is it are they just going to stick with a driver from their driver program
1: well it undermines the driver program quite a bit really if they do doesn't it which is a dangerous thing for Red Bull because they they are such a big sort of sponsor for the lower divisions this would undermine that entire process so as much as I'd like Perez to get back into the sport it's a bit tricky for Red Bull whether or not they'd have him because as I say they need that up and coming talent that would mean that the the seats aren't sort of guaranteed um, but then saying that it would open up red bull to picking up other drivers and not having to rely on the alpha tauri team to sort of bring about sort of drivers from formula 2 into formula 1 but i don't know what you think does it i think for me it just undermines the whole system too much for red bull and they won't do it
2: i am um, i think it certainly does um, undermine it. However, thinking briefly about it, I think we mentioned in the past a possible option would be someone like Yuki Sonoda, who's doing pretty well. However, when you look at where he's at, he's nowhere near on the same level as some of those Ferrari juniors like I Lot and, Sh- and Schwarzman and Schumacher. And for Red Bull, like they chose Alex Albon and they chose Pierre Gasly because they were winners of the Formula 2 Championship. Like they, you know, Alex did win, didn't they? I'm doubting everything now.
3: <laughs> Alex won oh, <laughs> Let sorry. me just
2: check. Alex Albon won GP t- uh, Formula no. Two, didn't he?
3: No, he didn't. But it, was it George? Say he, yeah, it was Russell. But you said Albon in karting was, he like was regarded sh- as the goat, basically.
2: Um. Yeah. They well, basically, Albon was very high up. <laughs> in Are you sure he
3: didn't win? Yeah, he was. It was like I think it was Russell first, Norris second, Albon third. Yeah, it was definitely
2: those three, but now I'm doubting everything. Yeah, 2018, George Russell again. Yeah, yeah, so Albon was, you know, up there fighting for the fighting for the championship against George Russell against Lando Norris. Whereas for me, I would say Yuki Tsunoda is not quite on that level. And the fact that they they picked up Alex, and he hasn't yet performed suggests that why would they then go for someone who wasn't doing as well as Alex in the Formula Two level? So it is difficult. Um, but it seems odd to me. They have such a, they have such a big driver academy or junior team they call it but there's no one really there that's you know that really stands out to you Whereas you look over to the ferrari junior academy unfortunately their team isn't you know the the car isn't great right now but their junior academy is full of such talent so there is a big difference there and and again i you know i shouted about how you know renault aren't using their driver academy either they've gone back fernando and Alonso, but again they haven't got anyone at the moment who's particularly stand out so i do understand i i agree that it would be um certainly a bit of a an odd direction when they've got this this junior team but but i could see them them picking up someone like perez because they are now a little bit desperate for some to be more competitive against someone like mercedes however you mentioned i just want to quickly point out you mentioned you know perez is looking for a project in my mind i took that completely the other way and i took it as he wants a project and something to start off low and build up and to me a project would be going to one of those lower teams you know like has to, to or, or, or even elsewhere out, outside, sadly, a Formula One to something that's uh, you know a sport or something that's growing. I to me, when I said he said new project, I saw it as um, he would grow with the team, he would build something up rather than he would just take a step into somewhere that's already, already, um, sort of. <laughs> I,
0: yeah, I, know, you know, I, I had the same yeah. thing,
1: I had the same reaction yeah. there as well because Red is already established, and also I don't think that Verstappen would play nice with Perez. Bear in mind that Perez. And Ocon were horrendous together back when it was Force India. With... Was it Perez? Perez in Singapore? Got angry and was racing angry, took Ocon out and had an awful race. And Verstappen doesn't like playing nice either with other drivers. So that could be another factor into that, really. The the Red Bull isn't a project, really, as you said, Liv. And also... Verstappen would be nice
0: with Perez. Although I would say that Perez's record as an individual driver, I mean, we touched on the actual nuts and bolts of this last episode, so by all means, go and have a listen back there. But Perez is a consistent point scorer at the right end of the grid. He's done so uh, for Force India and for Racing Point. So for me, that makes a lot of sense for Red Bull to be going for him. And I think it's important as well, we have to remember now, this is coming from the horse's mouth of Helmut Marko, and Christian Horner, AlphaTauri is no longer a junior team; it is a sister team, and by definition, almost a an equivalent in terms of the importance put on that team. And by that definition, you need to have two excellent drivers or very good drivers racing for AlphaTauri. So, in that regard, you think to yourself, well, Gasly and Albon, they're good drivers. Don't get me wrong; they could, as we've seen, win races and indeed get on the podium. But are they quite good enough to race for Red Bull? My opinion, in terms of getting points consistently and fighting the Mercedes, a, a well improved and indeed superior Silver Arrow package, the answer would be no. And I think Red Bull have very much put themselves in a, in a dilemma where they're ideologically wed. To their academy, and by definition, to Toro Rosso and now Alpha Tauri. And that was a wrong decision because it seems to me that the talent line or the, the pipeline of upcoming drivers has applied a lot at once and then stopped. Uh, we're seeing, as we said, a number of drivers in F2 doing reasonably well, but not perhaps the level where they'll be racing for Alpha Tauri or indeed Red Bull in the next season. So. In my mind, Red Bull, if they really want to go for the for the jugular to go for the win, they need to be pragmatic and they need to get, in my view, an experienced driver who also has, let's be forget, a lot of money behind him. Telmex, Telcel are two Mexican telecoms companies which have supported Perez in the past and I have no doubt will do so in the future. And they also, or should I say, Perez also has the backing of Mexican Carlos Slim, who from memory is worth £5.2 billion. You get the money, you get the quality, you get the experience. I think they've got to go for it. Oh, that's a bit of change, isn't it? It's £5.2 billion.
2: (laughs) I think it's worth actually saying. (laughs) I'm going back to it. Absolutely love the guy. What about what are the chances of Alex Albon keeping his seat? Like, should we talk about the fact that he, you know, he may still be in the running? They have always said that they've they're really pleased with how he's getting on. They have belief in him. They've said that time and time again. Do you think they've just been saying that for the sake of it? Because personally, I'd love to believe that they do because he's shown these snippets of amazing, amazing talent. The, some of the overtakes and the way he's made his way back through the the entire, you know, pack when they put do a, put him on a weird strategy and he ends up coming out the pits last don't even get me started but he ends up you know making his way through some shows some real you know um, bursts of you know race winning talent so should we be discounting him going straight oh who's going to get the other seat will it be Perez or will it be Yuki Tsunoda or will it be should we be thinking what about Alex
1: it won't be Alex though because they don't believe in him Sorry, I'm, oh. I know you love him. I really do. And often him. we shout about how we're the Alex Albon, George Russell fan club. And we're of course, the fan club. we love to promote that young, brilliant talent. But the problem is, is Alex Albon has shown the same snippets of pure racing talent as Pierre Gasly has, and even think, what
2: about Pierre. Then, and, well, Pierre it's this. Gasly.
1: But again, this is the problem, though, because if you replace Alex with Pierre, then you have, you've undermined your last decision. And so the only thing I can think of that makes complete sense for Red Bull is to get rid of Daniel Kvyat, because let's face it, he's been trundling along in the Alpha Tauri and Toro Rosso ever since he got kicked out of the Red Bull and not really done anything. Have Alex Albon and Pierre Gasly in the Alpha Tauri team, which, as you say, is a sister team, and if they've got got the same R&D, hopefully they'll be up and being competitive, bring another big gun into the Red Bull seat to, to fight with Verstappen. That's the only thing they'll do, right? because otherwise it's going to be undermining their own system and have a driver that's not very good when the chips are down. And let's face it, Alex Albon isn't, as much as I like him. He needs to be with another team that will not
0: produce a car that's unwieldy. Mm. I think you're right as well. I mean, going back to the Alpha Tauri point, they have a quality car. And we now know that with the car remaining pretty much the same for next season, if Albon is quote-unquote demoted although I, I question that hypothesis he's going to be driving in a car which has won a race in the past and can do so again in the right circumstances so I don't think this should be seen as a downgrade if he is to go to AlphaTauri he just needs more time as does Pierre Gasly to learn their trade and to better themselves I think give it a few years in a car like AlphaTauri and both of them could be winning races but right now I don't think either of them are consistent enough to do so as I think this season and last season is is clearly documented. But I suppose we can only really tell how good Alpha Tauri are doing this season by the next upcoming Grand Prix at the Nürburgring in Germany. Tristan I believe you've uh, put together a sort of short history snippet of what we have to come this
1: weekend. Yeah, exactly, Tom. And there's some brilliant history here, especially relating to Mercedes. We've covered them quite a lot in this podcast because they're doing so well. But it it feels fitting that we explore the Nürburgring's history just a little bit, given that this is where the Silver Arrows were born. So this week we head to a track that is legendary in the motorsport world. A track which has not only had some prestigious drivers such as Nicky Lauda, Ayrton Senna and Sterling Moss race round it, but if you ever find yourself in that particular part of Germany, you too can pay 25 to $30 to drive your own car around this particularly fearsome track. I'm of course talking about the Nürburgring. Located in the Eiffel Mountains near Cologne, the lengthy Nürburgring's 23.8km track was completed in 1925. Only five years, i being 100 years old, it's pretty old. Uh, during the late 20s and early 30s, the track hosted both car and motorbike races and quickly gained a reputation of extracting the most out of its drivers, which is code for killing quite a few drivers that made mistakes around it uh, due to its challenging hills, corners and also length of the track. It was really fatiguing, each lap being nearly 24 kilometres long. The track also gave birth to the myth of the Silver Arrows. According to legend, the Mercedes team had to get their W25 race car down to 750 kilograms to meet the new weight limit. And so they spent all night scraping off the paint of the car, revealing the shiny bare metal body that lay beneath. The next day, Mercedes would win the race, bringing about the term of the Silver Arrows. And after a little break due to the Second World War, racing continued and in 1951 the first F1 Grand Prix took place at the track marking the beginning of the era of German racing madness. In 1976 however F1 left the Nürburgring after Niki Lauda's crash in which he was nearly burnt alive, it brought home how dangerous the 50 year old track now was and it demanded that new safety measures were built into the track before F1 agreed it would race there again. By 1984, a shiny new track had been built and the 4.5 kilometer Nürburgring GP track was opened to welcome F1 back. And well, the rest was quite recent history as the Nürburgring was a mainstay of the F1 calendar until 1984 with a few races after that as part of the German, European or even Luxembourg Grand Prix until 2013. And it led to some amazing pieces of history, such as Stewart's only first place win and Mark Webber's maiden F1 win. So what can we expect? Well, the Nürburgring is sort of a mishmash of different things, with a start-finish straight coming from the old, shorter Südschleif track. Apologies, German speakers out there. High-speed corners, uphill drag races and much slower areas as well it should be fun to see how our modern cars take on the challenge of the Nürburgring
2: I'm personally looking forward to it I think it's also going to be really exciting to see what the weather's going to be like I um I did some research some weather research and the average temperature <laughs> in October at the around the Nürburgrings is about um, 9.2 celsius so it's cold it's not like Snow cold, but you never know. That's the average. It can, you know, it can fluctuate. So I'd be really interested to see some good weather, or not. Actually, no, not good weather. <laughs> I'd be interested to see some bad weather, some rain, some snow. You know, I want to, I want to see something that will make it dramatic. And, and Germany is known for providing that sort of, that sort of climate. And um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to see. It. And I'm also excited to see what Mercedes are going to be like because obviously you mentioned this history of them there, but really when it was there in the modern era. They, they. I mean, they weren't. T- they weren't. You know, they were. They were there was McLaren, Mercedes. had their engine, obviously. But the the recent winners since two thousand, you've got like five Ferrari wins there. I'm pretty sure. A couple of Red Bull wins, a couple of McLaren wins with the Mercedes engine, of course, and then like a Renault and a Williams win. But we don't actually know what the current Mercedes are like around that track, so it's going to be really interesting to see how they fare. Um, so, you know, those, those practice sessions and then the qualifying sessions will really be sort of new information to us. It's not like we can compare to last year.
0: Yeah, you're absolutely right. Looking back at the last five winners of the Nürburgring Grand Prix, we have Vettel, Kimi Räikkönen, Roman Grosjean, of all people, Fernando Alonso and Hamilton. So wait, that's um, Vettel.
3: Grosjean's don't. never won an F1 race, how could he have Yeah, been...
2: that's what I
0: was going to say. How could, how could he have I don't think that... I'm Hold afraid on. afraid Sky Sports F1 have uh, something to say well, about that one, friend. Hang I on,
2: I have a list. I
3: think they're wrong.
1: Or oh, did he get the last podium there? So I've got... know oh, you're right, last, best result. Sebastian Vettel, second. Lewis
2: Hamilton, Mark, Web, Mark Webber, Fernando Alonso, Michael Schumacher, Fernando Alonso, Michael Schumacher, like going back like that. But the most recent five was... Seb, Lewis, Mark, Weber, Fernando, oh,
1: Michael Schumacher. Right. Oh, know. hold on a minute. Hold on, hold on. Hold on. So, on. he was on track to win the German... Ah, okay. After seven long years, the F1 action returns to the Nürburgring. In 2013, he was on track to win before he crossed the checkered flag in third. So, oh, he oh, that's, yeah.
2: that's a box. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um... Anyway, but yeah, so recent okay. winners like Vettel, Hamilton, Weber, Alonso.
0: So we've got Vettel back in 2013, Hamilton as you mentioned there live 2011, Weber 2009, and we've seen there that three different um, constructors, three different modes of engine in fact, were able, or should I say two, were able to go and secure a win at this track. So it just shows you that regardless of the Mercedes dominance now, we're in a situation where this track has facilitated uh, various different winners varying from Williams uh, as well as uh, Ford even going back to the 1980s so a vast vast array as well as Ferrari as well as Ferrari a vast array of constructors have won in the Nürburgring and it'll be very interesting as we say to see whether that trend will continue or whether Mercedes dominance will just continue to and go for soul. What are the odds on uh,
1: Haas winning this weekend? Should we quickly look them up?
2: I don't know. I would say though. I mean, I was going on about Mercedes. Oh, they haven't. You know, they haven't been a like there and the, when they were last racing. So we've no idea what they're going to be like. Knowing them, they've you know they've sim tested it. They've practiced there. They've learnt the track so well. They'll probably just still go out there and just do it so easily. But it will be nice to see. Oh, and we've got a stat coming in. So uh,
1: Yeah, so Roman Grosjean um is currently on three thousand to one uh, to win yeah. the yeah. Eiffel Grand Prix. Oh back stick, in. A tenor,
3: stick a tenner on that. That's, I might do it. I
1: mean that's that's <laughs> thirty thousand and you and your one and your your tenor back, so you know, not bad. Uh just for interest uh, Vessels on three hundred to one, so that's how much confidence they they have. And, and Lewis Hamilton's on eight to fifteen. So, well, just in, as in, sorry, as a, just, um, what is Pierre Gasly on? Sorry, uh, Pierre Gasly's on two hundred to one. So, you know, some some lucky person out there managed to capitalise on Pierre Gasly winning the Grand, uh, his his Grand Prix this year, um, mm-hmm. got themselves quite a lot of money, if if my
3: memory serves me right, in the, was, in the yeah. region of thirty thousand. I saw a story, and I'll quickly type this in whilst I talk about it that somebody <laughs> in some country somewhere in Europe put like a tenor on a Gasly signed stroll podium in Monza and what yes. like 35,000 yeah. pounds or whatever the currency is there. Who looks I at the lineup well. and goes, yeah,
1: <laughs> stroll. Yes. Gasly. Mm. Gasly. Genius. The thing yeah. is.
2: The thing is this season has been so unpredictable and like obviously it's been predictable in the sense that hamilton wins a lot but there has been those moments of like what the hell uh, quite a few times and like you know that event and obviously like that first week with when lando norris got a podium and when you know we've seen uh, alex albon get his podium which obviously shouldn't be a surprise <laughs> given his seat his car but it was um so you know it's been such a random one that i, I mean it might be worth or each of us putting some money on one of the one of the drivers that isn't expected to win, because you never know. This season's just throwing so much much at us already. Let's
0: make it a feature of each episode. We will report back on how much money we've made. Or how lost. much money
2: have we lost this weekend? <laughs> yeah. Uh,
3: yeah. Can't wait for us to become F1 in review, sponsored by Ladbrokes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so thank you very much, dear listener, for listening to episode thirteen of F1 in review. No racing to be discussed today. We've uh, spoken about a vast array of uh, off-track issues, which no doubt will affect the content we see on it. First of all, Honda have said this week they will be pulling out of F1 in at the end of 2021. This will leave Red Bull Racing and AlphaTauri currently without an engine. The F1 laws currently state at the moment the team or the engine provider should I say that provides the fewest amount of engines to a works team or a team in general will then have to go and do so. This will then go and see Red Bull and Alpha reunite with their let's say bitter distant partners that were um, Renault will be very interesting to see what happens there and whether or not they'll be able to rekindle some of the magic that saw them win Constructors' Championships or whether or not the bitterness will continue where it left off back in 2016. Secondly, we spoke about Lewis Hamilton. He will be without a contract currently at the end of the season. He's yet to go and sign one, although we're thinking that very much this is something which will occur. Just a question of when. We've been talking about when the British driver, the six-time world champion, or think about hanging up his racing gloves for the final time, and what this will all mean for Mercedes. They've got a lot of young drivers coming up, such as Russell and Ocon, as well as Valtteri Bottas in the second seat. It will be interesting to see how that one plays out. On the theme of contracts, we also continued with what would happen with the Red Bull second seat. In previous episodes, we've spoken briefly about uh, whether Albon would get the seat, whether it be returned to Pierre Gasly after he won at Mon- But the rumours about Sergio Perez, the Mexican driver, who will be without a seat for 2021. The rumours continue to gather that perhaps he will be getting this seat. Only time will tell whether Christian Horner and Dr Helmut Marko decide to go from outside of the Red Bull Academy to pick their second driver and indeed a driver for their works team. And finally we spoke about the Nürburgring. This will be hosting the Grand Prix, it's coming up on Sunday and uh, we haven't seen this since 2013 if memory serves me correctly and we'll have to go and wait and see to see whether or not Mercedes will be able to dominate this track like they have the others or whether or not the Nürburgring will actually see a winner from a different constructors or engine. Only time will tell to see what happens there but so ends an episode of F1 in Review episode 13 thank you very much for listening thank you very much to Liv, Tristan and Angus as ever for their input and we'll see you in episode 14 just got some juicy goss for you by the way
1: Go on Jackie Stewart the uh, angry Scotsman that he is mm-hmm. um, has just said that F1 titles and wins don't put Hamilton on the level of Clark and Fangio yes and but, I mean that's just because Jackie doesn't like Lewis Hamilton
0: yeah.